We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to The Uncontested Podcast, talking Oklahoma City Thunder basketball and the wider NBA. Sam Presti said, lower the hatch, load up the cannon, and get the tank out rolling. Catch new episodes after each Thunder game and every Sunday night. This is a house of learning doctors. Follow The Uncontested on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube to catch new content as it drops. I mean, a cat and a dog connected together? This is Lou Dork. You're listening to The Uncontested. What's up? Welcome to The Uncontested Podcast. We are a part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Coming to you live Wednesday night. June, or it's not, it's not June, it's July. July 7th. The months are flying by, dates. Taylor. They are flying by. July 7th, uh, we are live on the Spotify Green Room app, hanging out, talking some NBA draft. If you guys have not downloaded the Green Room app already, we would highly encourage you to do so as we go live there every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I'm your host for the evening, Jacob Niffen. And along with me tonight, I've got my co-host, Taylor Peterson. How's it going? Um, enjoyed last night getting to watch game one of the finals. Uh, you and I, Jacob, previewed it just a little bit there. Um, I was running out of time, so we I didn't get to get into it as much as I was hoping to at the end of Sunday's podcast. But um, quite a fun game one. Some some great basketball being played uh, on from both teams. In fact, the Bucks even came back when I didn't think they were going to. But man, the Suns just looked absolutely dominant. Yeah, yeah. I want I want to start this show off actually talking about Game One, and yeah, I mean the Suns got up big, um, looked really good. Milwaukee kind of closes the gap there at the end, but uh, never really able to make a run at it. What are your biggest takeaways from Game One, Taylor? Like personally, I Game One was impressive from the Suns. I think Game Two is going to be like a five point game, and I think the Suns score under 110. Uh, I think that Milwaukee defense really steps up in game two after like a, a kind of a feel out game one game. But what are your thoughts? Uh, I, yes, I, I certainly expect a better showing from Milwaukee. I think the biggest thing from the Milwaukee standpoint for me was obviously <laughs> the most obvious um, seeing Giannis look um, as good as he did, probably quite a bit better than I even was thinking. Um, just some of that explosiveness, obviously the chase down block that everybody's talking about. And then also we have um, 
the the dunk where he just completely bullied Aiden, which was pretty cool to see. Um, but overall, the Suns were just so much more dynamic. And I tweeted this out, but they just have so many uh, so many weapons on the offensive end of the floor, and they also play so well together. That chemistry, um, that that Chris Paul team chemistry, um, just really seems to be working. All those guys gel so well together. And they just have so much more firepower that I truly don't think the Bucks have unless you're getting just ridiculous amounts from Giannis and Middleton um, uh, for uh, for every game, essentially, because they really don't have a ton of options outside of that. Um, Drew, obviously, is going to have to step it up and play a lot better on both ends of the – well, I say both ends. It's primarily the offensive end of the floor. He played okay defense. But um, when it comes down to it, the Suns just were – fantastic defensively honestly didn't have that great of an offensive game um i think they were perfect from the free throw line shot the ball like 20 however many times from the free throw line which helps a lot um and the fact that they were still able to win the game like they did is i i think i'd be worried if i was a bucks um fan or um somebody who who covered the team simply because of that i think like our friends ty and rohan would push back on that some uh, because of Giannis and some of the things i mentioned and obviously the bucks didn't play their best game either um, so all that to say, I think there's a very fun, um, very fun series ahead. Definitely. One thing that I noticed was the Bucks really threw all their different defensive strategies at the Suns, and the Suns just cooked each and every one of them. And the, um, yes, it, it was like yep. they they tried dropping, and Chris Paul just murdered them in the mid range. They tried switching, and we saw what Chris Paul did to Bobby Portis. Uh, the the defending in the in the pick and roll was a challenge for the Bucks for sure, and it's going to be interesting to see kind of how they how they adjust to that. I thought going to Giannis at the five was their their best lineup by far, uh, even though it doesn't really change what Phoenix does because Phoenix was using Aiton to guard Giannis anyways. Uh, but some interesting defensive wrinkles that I'm excited to see kind of how they play out going into game two. I, I agree completely. One thing that you mentioned there just briefly, because obviously I know we, we have other things we're going to jump into in this green room. Um, but you know, we'd be, I, I think we do need to at least touch on the game. Some, like you were saying, um, one thing I found interesting with the, the bucks finally going small, I say, finally, they did do it some in that last series. Um, but it definitely kind of, it, caused um the the sense of struggle there um and, and i think they kind of found something with it but to your point the most imp- the most um impressive part of that was how the the sons were still able to respond and no matter like you said no matter what they threw at them even that small ball lineup they were able to adapt chris paul was able to adapt he was they were able to find um the correct or i said the correct the uh the players on the bucks to attack um and were able to get the mismatches they wanted even when like you said the bucks continue to throw new looks at them so um i'm with you there but i still feel very very confident about my bucks or sorry <laughs> my son's pick um although now i think the only thing i'm questioning i said sons and seven might be closer to like sons and six Yeah, no, Aiden's been. I just fantastic. realized I was muted on the podcast as well. So uh, that awkward <laughs> quietness on the podcast version of this. Sorry, I was saying a very, very impressive by Aiden with a 2020 game. So 
Yeah, no, absolutely. Aiden's been playing great. Um, obviously a big X factor for this series, um, as well as the playoffs. <laughs> um, I'm really curious how they kind of um, combat that in game two moving forward. Do you throw Giannis on him? Uh, who do you have guarding him? I mean, Brooke Lopez, um, you need him for his offensive ability. Because like we talked about at the beginning of this, not a ton of options outside of the Bucks quote-unquote big three. Um, offensively, and when Drew's struggling, like you absolutely need Brooke. He's one of their best offensive players, but he's struggling on defense against some of these uh, quicker, more versatile Suns players, and Aiton being the primary, the primary player in that situation. So, yeah. uh, super interesting. One to thing see I how did notice from the has. Bucks uh, late in that game was they put Drew on CP instead of um, PJ Tucker, yep. and. Every time a screen came, Drew just basically yelled at whoever his teammate was who was coming up uh, to help him with the screen, basically telling him to get the hell out of his way, that Drew <laughs> was going to fight through the screen and play on the other no side. No more switching. Yeah, and, and so I would be interested to see, because they started the game with PJ on Chris and Drew on Booker, I'd be interested to see yep. how they're going to go about that uh, in game two as well. So Agreed, agreed. Interesting stuff. Well, Taylor... Enough NBA Finals talk. Let's talk some Oklahoma City Thunder and the NBA Draft. The flavor of the day today, Taylor, ESPN dropped an insider article this morning. Um, Was it like five or seven or nine or ten questions about the NBA Draft? Some number. I don't remember the number. (laughs) I don't either. But Jonathan Gavoni, Mike Schmitz, Bobby Marks all participating in answering the questions. The first Question being, is Cade Cunningham the for sure number one pick? And Javoni jumped into it. Gavoni, how do you pronounce his name? I'm not trying to be insensitive. I'm just, I I, I don't know if it's Javoni or Givoni. Um, Yep. Dove into it saying, basically, you know, the Detroit Pistons are looking at both Cade Cunningham, Jalen Green, not both, all of Cade Cunningham, Jalen Green, and Evan Mobley. Um, if they pick at number one, it will most likely be taking Kate Cunningham. However, there is some interest in Detroit possibly trading down to get one of those other two guys. And he mentioned that a handful of teams have been in contact with Detroit trying to get the value of what they want for pick number one, that Detroit would most likely trade off of pick number one to move down to select Evan Mobley. So you would think like pick three. But in that list of teams that were looking to trade for pick number one and and Giovanni made sure to mention a trade like this would happen very very close to the draft or on draft night if it happened at all but mentioned right there Oklahoma City Thunder so Taylor I want to ask you is there any chance that the Thunder could trade for the number one pick in this draft so um Yes, I think obviously there's always a chance, specifically when you're the Thunder, who have all the um, ammunition, ammunition to do so, more so ammunition. than... Ammunition. Ammunition. <laughs> more so than uh, any team, uh, arguably, in the history of, of the league at this point. Uh, another team who is close in that regard, but not quite the same, would be the Pelicans, who were also listed. And then the Cavaliers, who obviously have pick three, were, were listed there as well. And then was there one more team? New Orleans Thunder um, Cavaliers might have been it. I think Houston was mentioned. Oh, and there Houston, as well. duh, yeah, Houston, who has pick number two. So there you go. Um, that would be the odds of, you know, basically the only 
uh, four teams, five teams who would be able to trade up and get that number one pick. Now, with that being said, Jacob, I kind of, I know some of our listeners maybe listened to you mention this. Um, I can't remember if we were on a green room or if you mentioned this on the podcast we did on Sunday. Um, but we talked about, um, and, and I'll just kind of have you kind of reiterate, you know, the, the situation that Weaver finds himself in, um, you know, I, I think surface level, you could say, well, why would you do this? You have a, arguably three for sure, players in Cunningham, uh, Mobley, Green, that these are the kind of players I think that if you're, um, you know, getting future assets in return, you're hoping you're going to draft these kinds of players. They're already there. You're already guaranteed the best of the three based off your own internal evaluations. Why would you do this? But I thought you had a pretty interesting counterpoint to that when we were discussing. Um, when you mentioned, you know, what if it were ever leaked that Presti came with, you know, the quote-unquote grandfather offer, which we'll get into and what that could potentially look like, and maybe a Cade Cunningham, or maybe they decide Jalen Green's the number one guy and they go with him. It uh, doesn't quite pan out, and um, you see what you could have gotten from OKC or from New Orleans or from Houston, whoever it may be. Um, rather than taking that player, kind of the Markel Fultz situation. Um, so do, do you kind of kind of want to reiterate what you were talking about there? Um, like I said, I think it was on Sunday. Yeah, basically, like if Presti came to Weaver and offered six, 16, 18, and, and another four future firsts, and Weaver says no, just as a first-time GM in your first year in your first draft, you better make damn sure that Cade's the guy. Because if Cade's not the guy, and it leaks that you picked up Cade Cunningham, who in his first five years in the league never makes an all-star team, and you could have had seven draft picks, that looks really bad. Like, that looks fireball. Now, the flip side of the coin, if Presti pulls that trigger and Detroit says yes, you better make damn sure Cade's the guy. Because if he's not, you're screwed. But it's an interesting kind of negotiation tactic, right? You blow them away with an offer to where if they say no, is it detrimental to the franchise? Like, to do they have a duty to to their ownership to say yes to that type of trade? That that's where it starts to become a little bit interesting for me. My gut instinct, Taylor, tells me it would take a lot of finagling. What a fun word too, finagling take a lot of finagling for the Thunder to get up to pick number one. If, right. the, if the Thunder had pick three, I think this is a a conversation that could very, I mean, I, I would be saying like, I would give it like 30, 40% chance of happening where the Thunder could trade three and like three future picks to get number one. But at six, you're at the very back end of that. And if, Detroit wants to trade down. They don't want to trade down to six. They want to trade down to right. two or three. And so that's where a team, uh, or that that's where it could truly benefit um, the Pistons there. Because like you mentioned, um, if, if you can trade down to two or three, if, you, if you're this torn between, like, for example, Cade, Mobley, and Green. Let's say those are their top three prospects. Suggs obviously could be up there as well. Um, but let's say that they feel like they can trade back Get one of the get the player that they feel is still the number one player, but also get an asset in return by trading back to two or three with either Houston or Cleveland. That I mean, that's absolutely the way to go. So there's a lot of leverage there that makes this very very tough for a team like the Thunder to trade up and get that pick. The only counter argument is kind of like I said at the beginning of this when you asked me, 
the Thunder have so many options. And um, it's kind of fun that like we're doing this today because on our last podcast on Sunday, you and I went through uh, and did an exercise of going through all the the Thunder, for, uh, sorry, not all the Thunder's personal first round picks, but all their first round draft assets that they have that aren't their own picks because we um, said, you know, those are always going to rank their own picks are going to rank um, very highly in terms of where these draft picks all would rank <laughs> in terms of um, uh, value. Um, so like kind of going through that list um, that we went through last week, I think you could put together a pretty competitive and intriguing offer that Troy Weaver would absolutely have to consider. I just don't see where he does it. <laughs> though. Yeah. Like the one that I threw out on Twitter today, Taylor was something like, Detroit moves back to pick two and gets one of those future unprotected Clippers picks. Houston gets six plus all of the stuff they owe OKC back plus like one or two future picks and the Thunder get one. Right? Like maybe right. maybe there's like something that. maybe there's something there. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I still think Houston... For, for Detroit, I think that deal makes some sense. For Houston, I think they still... You know, you'd rather just take the player at two, um, right? Exactly. But but is there? I, I think it takes something like that, something bigger than just a straight up trade between OKC and Detroit, unless you're willing to put Shea Gilgis Alexander in the deal. And I just and, don't see yeah. that happening. Agree completely. Um, if so you're putting you, Shea Gilgis Alexander in the deal, I know I'm I'm a homer, but if I'm putting Shea Gilgis Alexander in the deal, I need pick number one plus a young guy from Detroit. Yeah, no, I agree. And like, as crazy as this sounds, and this is more so so just the uh, the benefit of having hindsight, right? We always talk about hindsight being twenty twenty, especially in this league. We talk about that a lot with a lot of these rumors, a lot of these evaluations. But we know what Shea is, and we have a pretty good idea. Um, and even then, like just a, a extremely optimistic idea of what he can potentially be. Well, we, we know um, what Shea is currently in 2021. And we know Shea's history of his growth, go. his growth curve. That's and a good way to put it. it. It's very easy to look at where he is and the direction of his growth curve, and say, why can't he make another jump? Why can't he get better? And if or he makes a, a jump, jumps. yeah, if he makes a jump from last year to this year again and becomes an even better player, I think. Like, I think last year he was good enough to be an all-star. I think he didn't have the narrative to be an all-star. And I think narrative is the biggest part in the all-star voting. Agreed. If Shea makes a, ju- uh, a jump again and he still shoots 42% from three, um, he still leads the league or, or is close to that in drives per game. He's setting up teammates. He's making incredible plays. He's averaging, you know, 23, 24 points a game, uh, six rebounds and like four or five assists. I, I mean, I don't see how he's not an all-NBA, That's, one of the top right. three all-NBA candidates. Sorry, willing to trade that kind of player yeah, exactly. for these uh, who, obviously very, very highly regarded prospects, but still are unknowns in that regard, um, who a lot of them may have similar ceilings if that is indeed the projection that Shea keeps following. So I'm exactly with you there. Yeah, um, and, and, I, I don't think you throw Shea on the table. Yeah, and Nate Sanders in the chat brings up, he says, I think if Presty thinks Kate is Luka-level player, He'll trade Shea for him. Like I said earlier, you better be damn sure on that one because you're not trading picks that are theoretical players that could be anything. You are trading a bona fide star. And if you, I mean, 
when they did it with Harden, that was one thing because your fallback was, I still have Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, and Serge Ibaka. If you pull that trigger on Shea and it does not work out, I mean, you have, how do you answer to the media? How do you answer to your peers? How do you answer to your fan base and to your ownership? Like you're getting in deep shit at that point. And especially in a small market like OKC, if we're mm-hmm. being completely honest, we don't have the luxury of other markets in the NBA that can sometimes be the potential kiss of death, right? So, um, yeah, no, I, I'm with you there. But to your point, what would a package look like? Um, I, I like the package you put together for, uh, like, for thank example, you for liking Houston. my package, Taylor. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, very versatile, lots of options, um, very full, Jacob. Thank you. Uh, of draft picks, I've heard that a lot. um but i just i i don't know like you said that's enough to get that number one pick now like houston like you said maybe a little less likely cleveland would make a little more sense especially with the whole kevin love situation like i just keep coming back to that like how could you and this is where pressy gets super creative but like how could you uh, get into how could you tie in a Kevin Love trade um, to moving up to that number three pick? Yeah, I, I mean, like just, that is fascinating. That's basically you just tell Cleveland you're going to eat the Kevin Love salary and send nothing back in return, so they don't have to buy him out uh, because I don't think they're going to be able to trade him. And then you offer them like six and two future firsts, three future firsts, take it up to three. I think you're going to have to overwhelm Cleveland. Uh, Cleveland's at an interesting place, you know. I mean. It's very clear that they're shopping Colin Sexton. They may be ready to move on. I think they're really big on both Green and Mobley. Um, Regardless of which one they take, you could still trade Sexton and make that work. Uh, Are they able to find a home for Sexton? Like, What if the value for Colin Sexton across the league isn't what they think it is and they can't get much for him? Then then do they pivot on their their thoughts on pick number three? I think that's definitely uh, an interesting one. I don't know if, if there's a trade to be made with Houston. Houston's an interesting one. Uh, I have a hard time thinking that there is a move to be made there. Um, I want to talk about Toronto for a second thought. Pick number four, Taylor. I was just thinking about that. Yep. Like Toronto is a team that I think we all believe very much underachieved last year, right? Uh, there's a lot of directions they could go. I mean, we're hearing... You know, Wiseman 714 for Pascal Siakam. If they do that, you have to assume they want to hang on to number four uh, and bring in an, another young guy at 4714. Probably one of Suggs or um, Green. And start a rebuild. And if, if they trade Siakam, do they look to move off of Fred Van Vliet? Do they look to move off of OG Ananobi? Uh, are they bringing back um, Gary Trent Jr.? Are they going to let him walk? Are they going full rebuild? If they don't pull the trigger on that trade, I'm interested because for them, for for Toronto, let's say it gets to pick four and the top three picks go as we we assume they're going to go. And at pick four, uh, really your your pool of players you're selecting from are Jalen Suggs, Jonathan Kaminga, Scotty Barnes. Right. I think Toronto can make any three of those guys work. Toronto is a fan of taking the big, long, athletic wings Scotty and Kaminga both fit that oh my fit that gosh, narrative. Yeah. Well, especially like Scotty and Siakam together. Um and, obviously and OG. dynamic guards and OG. <laughs> so <laughs> that's like, a ridiculous defensive team. Let, let me But like Jalen Suggs on that team would just be yeah, a well, blast alongside Van Vliet. Let me ask you this then. 
what if, you know, Presti Suggs is his guy, right? Let's, let's just imagine yeah. for a second. Suggs is his guy. Does something call, and, and I don't know if the Thunder would trade with Toronto. Uh, they tried to make a trade before for Sergi Baca. It never happened. Um, I, I wonder about the, the, the bargaining. Westbrook, Paul George. Yeah. I wonder rumors. about the bargaining style of Presti versus Masai. They're both very good at what they do. I wonder very if. Very hard headed. <laughs> and they've never trade. They, they've talked. We've heard rumors of them talking about trades before. They've never actually done it. And I think there's right. very much something to GMs that have relationships and make multiple trades with each other. Um, Thunder and, and Daryl Morey. Right. Right. Um, the Thunder and Denver, uh, the Thunder and Miami. Uh, there, there's yep. a lot of history between some teams that, that make these trades. But what would you think about if a deal came across on draft night? Um, pick three is, is made. Uh, you know, Evan Mobley to the Cleveland Cavaliers. And then before we get to pick four, we get a Woj bomb that says, uh, the Toronto Raptors are trading this number four overall pick to the Oklahoma City Thunder for pick number six. A future Los Angeles Clippers unprotected pick and Lou Dort. Oh my gosh. Oh, <laughs> so I thought you were going to take this like a pure draft uh, or draft pick package. Um, in which case I was going to say, well, then that means they're going full rebuild um, because you have guys like we mentioned, Siakam, Fred Van Vliet, um, a lot of you know, a lot of OG. You have a lot of young talent there. Um, I, I obviously think they're going to move off of Lowry, but if they were going for like a full future asset type of package, that means they're going full rebuild. I don't really think that fits their team right now. I think they're like you said, they're kind of looking for something in between that. That'd be really, yeah. really interesting. If, if they if they don't want to go full rebuild, if they keep Siakam around, and then they can get pick six, and say pick six does end up being so they get Scotty, Scotty Barnes or Kaminga. Yeah, so, so, so still yeah, get so a say they're solid fit. Yeah, there's young there's player plus Lou Dort. Yeah, their starting lineup. <laughs> their starting lineup if Lowry walks would be Van Vliet and Dort, Siakam, OG Ananobi, and they go out and get a five from somewhere. Right, I, I think they'd be able to do that. Um, and then they they so they get and then they have a future pick down the line. Like, is that something that you think is fair? Oh, that's fascinating. Oh, I, so here's the thing: I think both fan bases are going to say, "No, no way, I'm not going to do that." Um, but I think both GMs are very, very interested in that, and I think it makes sense for both sides. And you know how much I love Lou. Um, I know how much Thunder fans love Lou. But that makes a lot of sense. You're still getting a solid prospect, a great fit, like we mentioned, um, at that pick number six. Plus, you're getting Lou Dort, one of the best perimeter defense defenders in the NBA at this point. God, the already. Def- the defense of Dort, Coming OG, and Canada. Pascal oh. Siakam is... Plus, maybe Scotty Barnes. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think that is very, very fascinating. And then what? you have Shea and probably Jalen Suggs, if, if that is uh, yeah. the situation that Thunder find themselves what in. What if... What if instead of uh, a future unprotected Clippers pick, the Toronto Raptors want... So the Thunder's own 2022 pick is lottery protected. If the Thunder make the playoffs, that pick goes to Atlanta. Mm -hmm. What if Toronto wants the other half of that pick? So if it falls in the lottery, Toronto gets it. So you give them Dort, six, and 
the Thunder's own pick in 2022 should it fall between 1 and 14? I think that gets it done. I think the issue Presti might have with that is there is a, I mean, as much as we talk about this draft, this next draft is equally promising, maybe even better. Um, there's a lot of guys at the top. Got Chet. I think are very impressive. Yeah, no, right, right. So, especially if you're making a move like this and you're, you're drafting a rookie, you're getting rid of a Lou, um, you are able to get off of Kimba somehow. Like, I, I think the Thunder will find themselves in a very similar position um, this upcoming draft, or sorry, this next draft, uh, compared to this upcoming draft, this, this one here next month. So I'm very hesitant if I'm pressing to trade next year's pick. But with that being said, if Suggs is your guy, or whoever at pick number four who's left, say Jalen Green falls that low, um, say Mobley falls that low, and you think that whatever combination of that player and Shea, um, you can build around like KD and Russ, and now you know you you can build that contender. Then yeah, absolutely, I think you do it. But I just personally really think highly of this next draft, maybe even more so than this one. And so I'm a little hesitant personally just to part with that 2022 pick. No, I I'm with you. I that one makes and that's me, like you're you're on the right path. Is my point? Like I think you're you're there. That, and, that's yeah. what it would take. And then I don't think there's any point in trading up one spot to five. Do you? No, 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 not up. If, if we get to five and it's Kaminga and Barnes are on, on the table, obviously Orlando can only take one of the two. And then you just take whoever falls to six and you're happy with it, I think. Agreed. You know, Completely. and and my love for Scotty is well known across the multiverse, right? Everybody knows that I, I love <laughs> Scotty Barnes. Um, I'm coming around a bit on Kaminga. If his age is what we think it is. I know there's been some yeah, that's a some, weird thing too. some debate because um, the Congo does not a lot of people in the Congo do not have birth certificates and so we cannot prove age. But if he's the age we think he is, which is like 18 years old, almost a year younger than Scotty, Kaminga's interesting, man. Like, and that helps you suck next year and get a high lottery pick again in this dra- this 2022 draft that you're talking about. It could all come together perfectly. Yeah, you get another uh, <laughs> extremely exciting, young, promising player in 2022. Um, and then if Kaminga has a year under his belt, he's trending in the right direction. You have Shea taking another leap. Poku continues to improve. Teo, um, in, in this situation where... Oh, uh, sorry. I guess in this situation, we would still have Lou. So, yeah, that... Um, yeah, that <laughs> I'd be very happy with that. So, yeah, uh, interesting stuff. So, Taylor, if the Thunder, let's say they couldn't get pick one, but for somehow, some way, they were able to get pick two. Out of Green, Mobley, Suggs, which one do you think the Thunder and, and Presti and this this kind of new age drafting high skill, high IQ players, which of the one, which of those guys do you think that the Thunder would most likely want? So, like, from a personality standpoint, a basketball IQ standpoint, um, I think Presti would definitely like Suggs a lot. Um, but I don't think that's who he would go with if he were picking number two um, or potentially even number three. Uh, I think Jalen Green would be his guy there. I think that's absolutely the kind of um, explosive athlete with so much scoring. I, I, I don't know. It just it, – I get vibes of, like – I don't want to say Kevin Durant, but like that that draft, um, or kind of that era of Thunder basketball. I think that's the kind of guy that Presti um, would be willing to take such a big swing on compared to a Suggs. So I think will be a great great player, but 
I think Green's upside is just uh, potentially higher than anybody, even Cunningham. So I, I've heard. I think Green's their guy. I've heard some folks today that said um, they have Green rated lower, uh, like at the at the bottom of those four, which I thought was interesting. Yep. I I think Evan Mobley fits what the Thunder have looked for in the past few drafts. Super versatile, can pass, crazy high IQ. Just so many different different things uh, that, that he can do. Uh, long, has some athleticism. I, I, I don't know. I just feel like Mobley definitely fits kind of that new age Thunder mold a lot. So I, I, I feel like that's, that's a guy true. that they would target. And also, like you mentioned, I mean, just a perfect fit alongside it. You mentioned this in previous podcasts, um, but just a perfect um, prospect and a perfect player to have next to Shea Gillis-Alexander. Obviously, I would not mind Mobley at all. I just think Jalen Green has so much upside. Um, that's, you know, no for sure that that's going to come to fruition. But I, I don't know. I, I get really excited about the idea of Green on the Thunder. However, I do like that fit with Mobley. Um, and I think that's much more of a for sure, like, fit and from, from the team overall or for the team overall compared to, like, a Jalen Green. Yeah. So speaking of Jalen Green, interestingly enough, uh, our guy and friend of the pod, Evan Dameral, uh, he's on Twitter at AmNotEvan. Uh, he covers the Cleveland Cavaliers, tweeted tonight. He said, I've heard from multiple sources that G League, Knight, G League Ignite prospect Jalen Green has received a draft promise from a team currently unsure which it is at this time. Well, Taylor, let me That's tell you something. We know that Sam Presti's the guy that promises in the draft, right? Yep. <laughs> This is a, this is very much a joke, very much a joke, but um, I don't, oh, I don't, you're I, saying, Jay, Jay. but you know, you know how it's always like, oh, someone got a promise. It's the Thunder, it's Sam Presti. <laughs> um, I think giving Jalen Green a promise in the top when he's gonna go top four is kind of dumb. Like Agreed, you give a promise right. to a guy so they back out and quit working out for like ten teams. Jalen right. Green ain't working out for ten teams. He's working out for four. Exactly. Exactly. That that doesn't make much sense, which makes me think it is top three. Who, who um, is it? I'm going to go with the Houston Rockets. That's who I think, too. I think it's the Rockets. It's interesting that Evan tweeted it because that makes you think that um, it was the Cavs that gave the right. promise. Yeah, he's but it's the so, it would be so funny for the Cavs to say, hey, Jalen, we promise we'll take <laughs> you at three. And Jalen's like, bitch, I'm going two. What are you talking about? <laughs> Oh man! But he received a promise, nevertheless. So oh, and, you know, I'm I'm with you. I think Jalen Green. Um, I mean, the, the Rockets are very high on uh, Kevin Porter Jr. We'll see if he can keep his head on straight because the talent isn't Jalen Green just a rich man's Kevin Porter Jr. Yes, exactly. That's what I was about to say. So like both of them together. I mean, that would be a very fun pairing. Um, and everybody always talks about like Mobley being like a uh, Maury pick back when he was in Houston. Like this is a new era of Houston Rockets basketball that they're they lean more towards the green. I don't know. It makes sense. I could see it. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. I don't know. I just think it's weird that Jalen Green got a promise. Uh, Taylor. So we've talked about the possibility of the Thunder trading up. We've got a ton of questions in the green room chat that we're going to get to all of those in just a moment. So you guys keep them coming in. We're going to answer all of them. I'm going to scroll through them here in just a few moments. But Taylor, you mentioned earlier that we talked about the Thunder's future assets as far as their first round draft picks they own, 
and what those values are. If you guys have not listened to that podcast, Taylor and I dropped that on the 4th of July. You should go download it and check it out. I think it, it's, I think it gives you a good insight into maybe what other teams look at the value of the Thunder's future firsts uh, as it stands right now. So Taylor, I wanted to do that again, but this time instead of with draft picks, I wanted to do with it with players. players. So we're, 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 yeah, we're talking about the Thunder <laughs> possibly trading up based off that ESPN story today. But in, in addition to adding in picks, I want to talk about the order of the most valuable players that the Thunder could trade to climb up in the draft. I think we both agree that Shea Gilgis-Alexander is number right. one, correct? Correct, correct. All right, so we don't have to worry about that, and I don't think they're trading Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Who is number two on this Thunder roster that is the most valuable asset to attach in a trade-up? This this is where it gets fun because after one, it's just an absolute, I, I shouldn't say an absolute crapshoot, but you kind of, kind of like this draft, you kind of have tears. <laughs> I always um, have tears. I'm depressed. Yeah. <laughs> Not that kind of tears, Mr. Allen. Sorry, that's shots. a joke. Uh, <laughs> um. I would probably still at this point go ahead and lean towards Lou, but the reason I, I preface with that is because I think Poku absolutely has an argument I, to be the second biggest asset. Taylor? And I get it. Taylor? I think number two is Poku. Yeah, I, I wanted to say that also. I just think there's not enough proven to where— I'm trying to think about this from a NBA GM. And, and it um, depends what GM you're working with. Like we yes, talked about Toronto. Exactly. I think Toronto, if they're trying to push again for the playoffs and, and a deep playoff run, yeah, they I, I think they want Lou. Poku. But exactly. if you're Houston, if you are Orlando, I think it's Poku. Right, right. No, I agree with you there. So there's an argument to be made that they could potentially be tied. Like they're in a tier of their own. Um but again, like you said, like if you're looking at like future upside and potential, and Poku, Poku. and Poku has three more years left on his contract, where Lou has one, you got to pay True. Lou sooner. I think that factors yeah, it, in a little. That's bit. That's a good. That's a good point as well. Oh, I mean, like I'm willing to give it to Poku. I just I'm very torn. I think I I, I have them as a tie. So, um, yeah, I think no, Poku I, I'm with you. Like Poku, then th- Lou. there's people in the chat. Like uh, Cameron is saying, I think Thunder fans like Poku, but other teams won't uh, pay much for him. I think after kind of some of the flashes Poku showed and his age, you got to remember he's like the third youngest guy in this draft. I think a lot of teams yep. see and this current, like this upcoming draft. Exactly, in his draft. He was the youngest player. Exactly, <laughs> he'd be like third youngest in the in the coming up draft. I think teams look at that upside and look at that skill and see what he did. I mean, the reason he went 17 last year is because people were wondering like, is this guy even going to be able to survive in the league? He played in the the Greek like B-League last year, is he going to be able to survive? They've seen that now, and I think now you're buying on the ups. I mean, Sam Vecini said that in a redraft from last year, he takes Poku like fifth. Yep. I think in this draft, where does Poku go? Where, where would Poku, if Poku had this season in the Thunder, but is now pulled out and thrown into the 2021 draft, where does he go? Does he go above Kaminga? Does he go above Scotty? Yeah, that's that's interesting. I think you have him right there in that same tier, right? Like I I could see him going anywhere between like six and twelve and most likely six or six through eight. Yeah, I I think he goes top ten for sure in this draft. 
Yep. So, I don't know. It's interesting. So, we got Dort and Poku at 2-3, two, 3-2. Three, three, two. Uh, you can flip them whichever way they want, whichever way you want. After that, who was it? Oh, so who's the most valuable player the Thunder have to after move Poku up in a trade? And Lou, this is where it gets interesting. Now, to move up in the trade or just like trade value overall? No, to to move up in this draft. Okay, okay. So I can't say Kimba here then. Um, no, <laughs> no. Shoot. <laughs> it's like, well, you know, trade value probably Kimba. Uh, easy. No, not so easy. Um, gosh, that's either going to be um, Teo or Baisley, and I would lean towards Baisley. Um, I know he's had his struggles, but again, another super young prospect that's shown signs of improvement, uh, a lot of untapped potential on both ends of the floor, if we're being completely honest. Um, continues to try and put on size, I guess, going to help him tremendously. The outside shot worries me a lot. I think, like, for example, if you're drafting him in this draft, he's probably going more towards back into the lottery. Um, but I, I probably would say Baisley here. I'm, I'm, like, trying to think. I don't have the roster pulled up in front of me, which is uh, something I, I should probably Baisley, do. Baisley might be it, and, and I think that just shows you the massive falloff, the, the cliff exactly, after number exactly. three. Exactly. So, yeah, I think that's that's interesting. Um, maybe it is Teo, right? Maybe it is. I don't know. But, I, I again, I think that shows the drop-off after number three on this roster. I'm with you, for sure. So, um, but but I think we could probably put Baisley and Teo in a tier there, right? Yeah, right. I was going to say the same thing. So, yeah, if, if we were both deciding to give the nod to um, Baisley, or sorry, yeah, to Baisley here, then I think Teo would be that, that next... Um, that next player, just based off what he showed his rookie season. Again, another player coming from overseas, um, playing as well as he did. and, and Another you know, really young guy, too. Exactly, exactly. Who comes after that? So this is where it uh, gets interesting, and this it gets is where really I am pulling here, yeah. up the roster. <laughs> <laughs> is, is it Kenny Hustle? Um, yeah, is it, no, is it Ty Jerome? Ty Jerome. That's what I was going to say. So I think you have another I, tier there. I think it's you have Ty. Ty and you have right and you have Kenrich. Um, is it Isaiah Roby? Was... No. Okay. <laughs> no. <laughs> I, th- I, I mean, he has some value, but not personally, as I think much it's Ty. Ty. Exactly. Not as much as Ty. Dude, nor I say Kenrich. it every podcast. I love Ty Jerome, dude. I do too. I dude's like got him a sauce. lot. And again, we're talking about a twenty. Well, he's twenty four, which is actually older than I uh, realized. But Kenrich is twenty six. Yeah, Kenrich. So you look is at real. that alone. Um, Kenrich is getting mean, in that like. Uh, that higher risk category for COVID. <laughs> Careful. I'm like, I'm 26. 26 and a half. Bro, I turned uh, 31 in two weeks. All right. Leave me alone. <laughs> you old man. I know. <laughs> At least Justin. I wish yeah. Justin was here because then he'd be. Yeah, that's right. Man. He's right there with you. Uh, um, Sean so yeah, brings up a great I... point in the chat. He says, it, it, again, it depends on the team evaluating it. Like the Raptors right. might like Kenny Hustle more than Ty Jerome. Uh, because Which is he why there's so now. much interest in Kenrich at the trade deadline, probably compared to a Ty Jerome. Um, but like you said, if we're looking at in terms of moving up, I think I'd go ahead and give the nod to Ty Jerome as well. I just think... like we gave the nod to uh, over uh, Poku over Dort. So Ty, and then I think we go Kenrich next. I agree. Would you trade Kenrich Williams for um, Marvin Bagley the third straight up? Hmm... That's really tough. Uh, I mean, I get the whole young prospect idea, but like at a certain point, 
especially if you do have Shea Gillis Alexander on your team. You need other high IQ players like Kendrick Williams. Um, Are you saying like, Marvin Bagley like, does not have a high IQ? Uh, no, at least not a proven one. <laughs> I I like the I, I like the idea. I don't like that straight swap. I I like it because of the age difference. Yeah, no, and, and I get that, and I'm with you. But like at a certain point, I think there is a thing such as too much youth and, and experience. And the last thing we want is Shaquille Alexander saying, "Hey, you got Kemba, get me out of here." Yeah, you got Kimba. <laughs> Here's just a really random one that I want to throw out for you, Taylor. Okay. Would you trade six for Tyrese Halliburton? Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. I love Tyrese Halliburton. I was going to say. There's no way the Kings do that. Kang, exactly. Kangs can't Kangs that hard. Yeah, they can't. That's exactly right. Kangs exactly cannot right. Kangs that hard. Um, that's exactly right. All right. Well, that's fun, though. Taylor, after that, I don't think the rest of the roster trading. Uh, makes too much sense. Uh, it's not moving you up at all. But uh, I was really excited to talk about Spee's uh, <laughs> trade value, um, Charlie Brown Jr. Yeah. Oh, yeah. we still have Norris Cole, Raymond Felton on our books. That's fun. There Nick you Carlson, go. Deontay, Big um, Daddy Deontay. Oh yeah. So, <laughs> but I think obviously shade number one. I think then you drop down to a tier that is uh, Dort Poku, and then I think Correct. the next tier is Teo and Baisley. Would you agree? I agree completely. Awesome. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right. Well, Taylor, before we get out of here, we have to take a spin through the green room comments because there are a lot of good ones. (laughs) It's lit in these comments. So thank you, guys. Um, all right, let's start uh, with this first one. Cameron says, Nick, why aren't you on the podcast today? Yeah, Nick. Yeah, Nick. <laughs> Nate Sanders. Shame him. <laughs> Nate Sanders says, Alex from DTD said that he'd take Moody at six over Barnes. More I, thoughts? I listened to that. Um, no. I'm out. No, I, I'm, Give me I'm the upside. Yeah. Give me the upside. Uh, I, agreed. Agreed. I think just um, – I understand his points about the scoring struggles and, and the, the shot, especially in this era of the NBA. But Scotty Barnes impacts the games in so many different ways. Also, like I think one thing to keep in mind is just this, especially with these these one-and-done college players, Like in a normal year, it's kind of hard to evaluate them um, based off some of their teams. Like We always talk about the Kentucky players. I mean, Shea's a perfect example there, right? Yeah. Um, I always think about Ben Simmons, granted. I was never high on Ben Simmons, and um, he, <laughs> as of recent, hasn't looked great, but I certainly didn't think he was going to be what he is already based off his one 
you know, year when he didn't really care in LSU. Now, take into consideration the whole entire COVID-19 season, and I think it's even more impressive to see what guys like Suggs, like um, like Barnes, uh, were able to do in the NCAA um, this season. So um, I'm not as concerned about some of the like you know some of those issues such as his shooting. I think some of that can come along, but I'm like I'm just I love his versatility at being Barnes, what he brings to the floor, and Moody's just such an unknown. That seems like such like yeah. a safe player. Yeah, Moody seems like a higher floor, very lower ceiling kind of role player kind of guy. And I I like him a lot. I think he fills a role for you for sure. Right. But the Thunder aren't in the position of filling roles. The Thunder are in position to line up, look at the pitch, and swing the bat hard as shit and hope you knock it over the fence. Yeah. Right. I'm with you exactly. Um, That's a good way to put it. Lots of comments in the chat about our talk um, of trading Shea for pick number one. Uh, people were not happy about that. Uh, <laughs> Colin Reed says a lot of conversations about trading up, but anyway, they trade back, maybe for a guy like James. This Book is fun. Knight. This is really fun. I that so is the most. Talking, oh, sorry, go ahead. It's just the most unsexy thing that could possibly happen, right? It is. Um, but again, it's Presty. Now, I think like getting reports like we did today from ESPN about and just knowing Presti, the comments he made in his exit interview and then I think it actually was his pre-lottery interview that he did uh, or not interview sorry media availability uh, we know Presti will be aggressive in trying to trade up so we aren't thinking about trading back as much but like it certainly would make sense if let's say Scotty Barnes is their guy at six and he Presti isn't super excited about Kaminga and so he gets an offer from like the Magic at eight and to Colin's point, um, maybe he, you know, or, or even like Alex Spears' point, like to our previous question, um, maybe Pressy does really like Moody or he does really like James Booknight, to what Colin said. Then, yeah, like you can get an additional asset to move back, plus get a player you really like after the player you want is already off the board. That does make some sense and it's something to consider. I just really like where the Thunder sit at six. Um, compared to moving back in the draft at this yeah. point. But obviously I'm biased there. Yeah, I'm biased as well, but I think it's becoming pretty clear that there's a steep drop-off after six. Yeah, we, uh, we talk about tiers, yeah, absolutely. Kamiar, co-host of the podcast, and the chat says, my father said OKC is going to lose SGA and be terrible for the next 10 years. Is he correct? <laughs> Man, that's like a Persian like curse. What's Kamiar's dad doing? <laughs> he is not correct, Kamiar. <laughs> Uh, Kamiar asked another fun question. What selection at six would make y'all burn down the peak? Oh. <laughs> I have a pretty clear answer here, but I want to know what yours is. Keon Johnson, right? Oh, yeah, it's Keon Johnson. <laughs> Keon, here, here's a Kamiar's call. Singwin. Singwin. Uh, hey, I, I, if they went with Shengun there. Or Singun. I, I just said, goodness, yeah. If they went with Shengun there, I, I'd be like, that's bold. Let's see what happens. But if they go with Keon. Fair. Like, I'm going to throw some shit through my television. Yeah. <laughs> like, here, here's a call me ours comp for you. Keon is just a glorified Hamadou Diallo. Yes. Yes, I love that. I love that. I was trying to think. It was either Nick or call me who put that in our Slack the other night, and I agree with it completely. Nate Sanders says, Chet and Poku would be incredible, incredible entertainment value. Oh, my value. gosh. Yeah. I'd love it. All the arms. <laughs> All the length and just, like, I don't know. I, Shet's so fun to watch. Just, I mean, it's crazy. I was yes. I also like the, the bull marrow kid. The, yeah, yeah, I do too. There's three or four players in that draft already that are just like 
I mean, very, very exciting. Maybe even more so than the top prospects in this draft. Yep. Call Me R says, and my thing about coming on the birth certificate, show me, Jake wants to see the birth certificate. Show me the birth certificate. <laughs> Where's the birth certificate? It's like on bench warmers. I is 18. <laughs> Nate, Nate Sanders uh, and us talking about the Thunder sucking again next year if they take Kaminga says, you can't suck if Shea plays. I think I agree with that. Right, right. Cameron's all in on Suggs. Chris Parrish, with some with some love here in the comments, says, by the way, these live streams on here are the best of any Thunder podcast. Interactive and the chat room is funny. Y'all are invited to my B-Day party. Yes. Live live pod at Chris's B-Day party. We're making we it happen. It. Love it. Thank you, Chris. Um, bunch of Poku gifts in the chat. <laughs> A lot of Poku gifts. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, there were some really good questions here towards the bottom now. Yeah, I'm trying to get uh, to it. See. Like like Nick asked, where is the birthday party? That's a good question. Oh, so Sean, Sean brought up a good point, and we didn't actually um, – you mentioned Marvin Bagley, Jacob, but you didn't mention your trade idea that you had when you went on the Kings Bulls podcast. So Sean oh, said yeah. that he really liked your Bagley idea, and do you really think it would happen? So do you mind um, – listing that out for the the listeners yeah so first off go check out the king's pulse podcast uh where brendan nunez had me on to talk some thunder for bagley trades we landed on probably 34 and 36 for bagley or like 34 and isaiah roby for bagley Uh, i think those make a lot of sense the thunder aren't going to give up one of their firsts for bagley we also talked like what about 16 18 34 for Bagley, you eat the contract of uh, Buddy Heald, and you get pick nine. Uh, some some ideas there as well on how that might work out. Um, but I think Bagley's value is low. Uh, there's a lot of PR issues there, and it just fits the Thunder mold. It, this is Dion Waiters to yep. a T. Formerly Nerlens top Noel, five pick, Dion. Yeah, didn't work. Cantor. Yeah, didn't work out at his at his first stop. Has some character issues. Needs a, a cultural. Uh, reset need, needs a facelift for his career, so he comes to Oklahoma City. Just makes a lot of sense to me. I love it. I love your trade idea there as well. Um, and it sounds like the Kings Kings Pulse guys liked it as well. Um, Nick, real quick, we'll go through this real fast. Taylor says this or that. So give me uh, this, which is the first option, or that, which is the second option. Taylor, you ready? Okay, this is fun. This is good. Moody or Book Night? Uh, Book Night. Same. Giddy or Shangoon? Giddy. Oh, I'm Shangoon. Sharif. I, know, but I like Giddy. Sharif Cooper or Davion Mitchell? Oh, Sharif Cooper, 100%. Easy. I don't like Mitchell. Easy. Keon Johnson, Jalen Johnson. So this is a super fun one, but I think I'm with Nick here. I'm going, uh, I'm going, John, or, <laughs> I almost said Johnson. Um, Jalen Johnson, just from offside era. <laughs> Upside alone. I, I'm um, pulling the game out of the, the system, blowing in the cartridge and sticking it back in because I don't <laughs> want to saying no. <laughs> Barnes or Kaminga? Barnes. Green or Suggs? Green. I love green. Okay, see, on the last you one. You didn't I, say Kai versus uh, Thor. Oh, I missed that one. I, Kai- I love JT Thor. I'm like huge on like I'd, I'd be cool with the Thunder like trading up top 10 and taking JT Thor. That's how high I am. <laughs> I'm into on it. JT Thor. <laughs> uh, Kamiar says I asked to be on the stage and I'm convinced Taylor hasn't brought me on because he hates equal rights. <laughs> hey, I am not in charge of this yeah, stage, Kamiar. It's, it's not I'm my doing fault. It. 
Um, Although I did forget to tell him happy birthday, and I apologize for that already. Cameron, uh, breaking news in the in the chat saying Ju Zhang back to UCLA. I think that was kind of expected. Ooh. Yeah. Saw Ace Miss from ORU also going back to ORU, which I think is fair after a pretty poor showing and poor measurements at the draft. Um, but I think he's got to get out of ORU. Yeah. Being completely honest, if he wants to raise his draft value. Uh, Sean, last question in the chat. Sean says, do you think the Rockets would trade down to us if we take on John Wall as well? Two and Wall for six and a f- couple future firsts. I think, That's interesting. I think they just eat the John Wall contract and you take the best player you can get at two. But yep. if that option was there, I'd jump on it. I'll eat that yep. John Wall contract. I'll jump on that <laughs> grenade. Nothing like a lineup of John Wall, Kimba, and Shea. No crap. All right. Uh, Taylor, any more thoughts before we hop off of here? Not at all. Um, just like I said, you know, obviously a very fun finals, but I'm just super excited that we're getting closer and closer to the draft and uh, going to be talking more about like Thunder specific news and things happening. Um, just looking forward to it and uh, ready to be done with the speculation and to like move on to analysis after the Thunder do make a pick and we do see what happens on draft night. Just, Definitely. Uh, I'm lot to be excited about. Big July and early August for the OKC Thunder. The draft is on the 29th. Free agency starts the 1st. And that's obviously when the Thunder can offer Shea Gildas Alexander his extension. Yes, Lots going on in in Thunderland. So thank you guys so much for joining us tonight. Uh, We will be back on the Green Room app for just a, a hangout. We're not recording it. Just a chill on Friday evening. So join us then. And then our typical Sunday night live stream at 9 p.m. So we'll see you guys there. Uh, If you are in the green room tonight, we're going to start bringing people on stage now so we can hear you. Uh, For those of you listening to the pod version, thank you so much for tuning in. We'll talk to you soon. As always. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.